So welcome everyone today to Psalms Through the Eyes of the Living Letters. And today we are continuing on with Psalm 119. Uh, last week we went over uh, the Living Letter Bait. Now, if you remember, and just as a reminder, uh, Psalm 119 is actually set up in such a way where uh, each of the, the eight verses, there are eight verses that cover one particular Hebrew living letter. So on the first one, every beginning of every sentence of the first eight verses of, of Psalm 119 begin with the living letter Aleph. In the next eight verses, every first word of the sentence begins with the living letter Beit, and so on with each and every one. And uh, I love this because the when we talk about the diamond of Yahweh, we talk about the multifaceted uh, perspective of the diamond of Yahweh, and how each one of us are a part of those this perspective. But then there's a place where we too are multifaceted. And I love this because the, the living letters themselves not only express this place of the father and 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 the and 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 allowing us to see more of who he is it also expresses who we are as well and i was reading this to one of our um our classes you know we on the 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 school of the living letters both year 1 and year 2 i read this to because it really it really messed with me a good little bit. It's, this is talking about the living letter Mem itself. and uh, But there's a, there's a part of this that I want to read to you because it sets in motion some of the things that uh, we're going to be talking about today. And, and it talks about how even the living letters, in their attempt to be able to probe the deepest cosmological mysteries, had failed, and each of their pleas had been denied. Now, what does this mean? There's a book called the... Uh, Energy of Hebrew Letters is written by a gentleman by the name of Rav Berg. Rav is not actually his first name. Rav is short for rabbi. And uh, his actual name is, is Michael Berg. But you're going to find it under in Amazon as Rav Berg. Now, this is a really deep book. So I'll, I'll if, you're, if you're beginning and you're learning Hebrew, you might want to hold off on this one for just a little while because it's, uh, it's really deep with regards to the living letters themselves. And it assumes that you understand some of the Hebrew concepts that they talk about. So please bear that in mind. But that doesn't mean that there's some really good meat inside of here. So basically what had happened is that every living letter up to the point of Mem, at least in this part of the story, had come before the Father and said, this is why we believe we should be the one that begins creation. Now, what does that mean? Genesis 1, chapter 1, or Genesis 1, verse 1 says, Barashit bara Elohim. Hashemayim, actually it says, Barashit bara Elohim et Hashemayim va'et ha'aretz. So what does that mean? The, the living letter Beit actually was the very first letter of Torah or of the scripture. And so Beit was given the honor of beginning creation in beginning, right? Beit was given that honor. So but each one of the letters had gone before the Lord and given their reasons why they should be the one. So all of those had tried to do that up to Mem so far, and uh, their, their plea had not been met. The father said, no, you have a position. You have a beautiful position. And he began to speak to them about who they are and how they express his glory and the intent of his heart. And so the truth goes on. And so up to this point, the father had said no to each of these letters because Bait was the one who was, who was meant to be chosen. So it's, it's, it says this, yet not only was the future of humanity at stake, but the future of the letters as well. The world they were about to bring into being would be their world too. Now I'm going to stop and think, stop and listen to this. He's saying that the, the letters themselves, even though they're expressing the heart of the Father, and they're a facet of the Father, they're, and they're, they also were a facet of us, and the world they were about ready to bring into being, they were going to share with us. You see, everything in creation comes through the living letters. That's why that's why that Hashemah, that Barashit Bara Elohim Et, 
In other words, in beginning, Elohim, God created the Aleph Beit, the Aleph Tav. All right, that's what that, many, many of the rabbis believe that's why that uh, Aleph Tav is there in the Torah, in the scripture itself, in the original Hebrew, was because the first thing he created was the Aleph Beit. And they were saying that the world they were about ready to bring into being was the world that they were going to have to share as well. And their destinies would be forever bound to it. Each letter symbolized, a, listen to this, each letter symbolized a particular aspect of, of the all-embracing reality. In other words, the fullness of what the Father wanted to do. Each differed from the others in many details, yet all were combined within a single ultimate reality. Now, I love this because this is a perfect picture of the diamond of Yahweh, where he, he shows us that each one of us are a facet on that diamond. And... Uh, uh, that we all come together and we work together as one. I love this. The letters rejected thus far had been treated had treated the universe as an entity independent of themselves. In other words, they saw creation as being separate from themselves until Mem. Mem saw that creation was not a separate entity from them, but one with them. Now, why am I going into this? this is a, I know that's a rather deep beginning of what we're about ready to, to share here in Psalm 119, but I believe it was pivotal in helping to understand some of the depth of what we're about ready to go into. Now, when we talk about the living letter Gimel, the living letter Gimel is a letter that many of you may know, some of you may not know, and uh, so I'm going to share with you some of the most basic understanding of Gimel. Gimel literally means camel, all right, in its most literal sense. So you've got the picture of a camel. And every time I think about that, especially when it came to the time of, of say, Yeshua's time and before, you know, I always see this, this, this process of, of wares and, and, and treasures and that sort of thing coming from the east, and they're being laden down on, on camels. And they go along what's known as what we still know now as the Silk Road. And through that process, of course, they sell their wares and they, they, they're able to uh, make money as a result of this. So they're carrying their wares to the place where they come to the Middle East or the area where they, their final journey ends. And then they turn around and they take that treasure back to where they came from. And so we get the picture of then, then um, the, these camels being laden down with the treasures, not only treasures that for someone else they're willing to give money for, because to them, the purple and the, the blues and the, the cloths and the perfumes and the ointments and the oils, all of these were, were worth something to them because of, of what they did. And they were willing to give their money, their hard-earned money to be able to, to purchase these things. And of course, then the uh, then the one who was, who was the businessman was taking this back to where he was from and, and being able to, to use that money to be able to do more with and take care of his family and so on. And so Kim Gimmel gives that idea in this place of where there's a transportation, if you will, of the treasuries of the earth. Well, if it's true on the earth, then how much more so is it true with our father, right? Because the camel is what runs between the, the father's house and the door. As a matter of fact, one of the Hebraic ways of, of seeing this is, is this place of, uh, of where Gimel runs back and forth between the house and the door. So if you look at the Hebrew Aleph Bait, we've got Aleph Bait, Gimel, Dalet, right? So if you go in the order of what the, uh, the letters are, and Gimel runs back and forth between the bait, the house, the place of the father, the place of the fullness of the, the place where treasures are the place where everything is taken care of, and it carries it to the Dalit or the door. Now, there's an even deeper aspect of that because the Hebrew word for poor or poverty is Dal. So it's the first two letters of the Hebrew word Dalit. And so Gimel runs back and forth between the house to the door to give alms to the poor. 
And uh, there's, I don't, I don't, there's so much right there that I could spend, I could spend today talking about just that. Um, but I don't, I don't want to focus on that aspect of it right now. The biggest part that I'm trying to lay in, in here is the, the idea about the, the camel and the ability for it to be able to run back and forth. And so when we think about it from the father's house, the gimel then carries that, that, uh, that treasure to what? The door. The door to where? The door into the earth. He's bringing, he's making those things that seem like they're way out there and making them tangible in the earth. Okay, so as we take and bear this mind, now there's so much more about Gimel. And if you want to know more about each one of these Hebrew living letters, we do have a school. And that school of the living letters is, is currently going on. We will start a new class back in, in January of, uh, of this next year. And so you'll be more than welcome to join us as we, as we begin to explore the Hebrew living letters. And we'll go even deeper than what we're going right now. Right now, we're looking at it through the, through the Psalms, and specifically Psalms 119, verses 17 through 24. So uh, now that I've laid that for foundation, let's start in Psalm 117, because I want to show you something really cool. Father has really been messing with me about this today. And I've, I've, I've said this many times before in many different places and in many different classes. And that is the place of, of saying this. Do you realize who you really are? Do you realize what you already carry? Do you really know what's already inside of you? Okay, so from those questions, let's go from here. In Psalm 119, it says this, bestow upon your servant that I should live, that I may keep your word. Unveil my eyes that I may perceive wonders from your Torah. I am a sojourner in the world. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is shattered with yearning for your ordinances always. You rebuked the accursed willful sinners who stray from your commandments. Remove from upon me disgrace and contempt for i have guard for i have guarded your testimonies though princes sat and spoke against me your servant discusses your statutes in other words i don't care what they say about me i'm thinking about you god i'm thinking about you father indeed your testimonies are my preoccupation they are my counselors now to me i haven't been able to get past the first two words the first two Hebrew words of, of this particular psalm. And to be honest with you, uh, as, as Father was taking me through this, those first two, two words really set the tone for the rest of what Gimel is talking about here in this psalm. And I'm going to show you something that's really, really cool here. The first two words in the, in the original Hebrew are this. It's Gimel al gamol al now if we look at the first uh, the first hebrew word there gamol it's actually the same letters that spell the hebrew word gimel it's just pronounced a slightly different way so if you think about it gimel speaks about a camel so it eludes or it infers or it speaks of this place of giving so when we see the word bestow I'm not surprised that the Hebrew word for bestow actually speaks of, or it looks like, just like gimel. The only difference being that it's it's pronounced differently because it's it's a little bit different than giving. Bestowing, to me, begins to speak about that place of where the king, our father, looks at his sons and he says, here. This is what I've given you, okay? So I have given you something that goes far beyond what you know or understand. Mindy, you said spell these words. Which ones? <laughs> Gimol. All right. Gimol would the, be G-I-M-O-L. The first two words. The first right. two words. In English, Gimel. it would be G-I-M-O-L. Yeah, A-L. Uh -huh. Oh. Very simple. Oh. Yeah. No, it's okay. Very simple. You know, I love that because you say very simply, and you're absolutely right. It is very, very simple. 
but also very, very, very profound. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that with, with regards to this. You see, one of the hidden aspects of Gimel is this. There's a statement that uh, I've heard throughout Hebraic thought, and that is that the carrier of the seed contains the seed. Let me say that again. The carrier of the seed contains the seed. Now, when we look at this first word for this, gimol, it speaks about the place where the Father has already given us something. Now, there's a New Testament scripture that adds to that even more. I have already given you all things, all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has bestowed these things upon us, right? And if that's the case, then why is it that we haven't seen those things? Right? It's a really good question. If he's already given it to us, if it's already inside of me, what is keeping me from seeing it? Well, really, to me, the, the answer to that actually comes in the next word, the Hebrew word all, and that is ayin lamed. Now, it's funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give away a secret that I have not even talked about in our classes. Uh, to be honest with you, it's a relatively new revelation with regards to this to me. I had heard about it a long time ago, and and had the father had 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 me look at it when it came to the living letter Ayin, but I'm understanding it better now. Okay, so for me, there was like I saw it, but it didn't really make sense. I kept it in my heart and I thought about it, but now, today, over the last few days, it's begun to make sense. Now, what do I mean by that? Ayin is the Hebrew word that speaks, and it's the Hebrew letter that actually speaks about the eye. And so it talks about what can be seen. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that, uh, that Ayin is usually translated has to do with revelation knowledge. So it's that place where we begin to see something, we begin to understand it, we begin to know it a little bit better. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the word epiphany, in a sense. Now epiphany is is a grandiose uh, perspective of this, but you know where suddenly something comes into your mind that you've never seen before, but when you see it, it makes such an impact on your life that it changes you. That's basically my definition for the word epiphany, and all is very similar to that, but it can go all the way from the place of an epiphany to the place of just a simple understanding of something. And everything that's in between those two places, the simple understanding or the simple revelation all the way to the epiphany itself. And so, but one of the things that Ayin talks about is the place of nothingness. How is it that you can talk about revelation and revelation knowledge and speak about nothingness at the same time? Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 3, uh, specifically verse 3, it says that the things that were formed in creation, the things that were brought, the things that were that faith brought about were created by the things that cannot be seen. So I asked the question in that place of, if the Father has already given me all things that pertain to life and godliness, why can't I see them? Well, I ask two questions all the time. What do you see and how do you see it? If I know that the Father always gives And no matter what situation I'm in, my father is always leading me down the path where he is always showing me another aspect of who he is. Whose responsibility is it to be able to see it the way that he sees it? Is it his or is it ours? In other words, what do I choose to treasure? What do I choose to say, okay, this seems like it's little or nothing, 
but I'm not going to look at it through the sight of my own flesh eyes. I want to look beyond and I want to see the depths of what it is that the Father is saying here. So when we speak about nothingness in the living letter Ayin, even faith itself says the things that were formed by, were made by the things which could not be seen. So in other words, have you ever had an idea? Have you ever had a sudden thought about something? And when you did, you, you were like, why didn't I see that before? You know, it's, it was like it was a it was like it was sitting right there in front of your face. I was like, why didn't I see that before? Well, there was something that was hiding it away. Now, at times there could be there could be a veil that's there that keeps us from seeing it. In other words, a veil of religion that says, well, I don't normally look that way because I've always been told that's the wrong way to look. Right. So it could have been a veil. Now, it's true. It could also be a place of until the time appointed of the father. Now, what do I mean by that? There are some things that are hidden away for a specific time. Talk to Daniel, go back and look at Daniel. Daniel's books were told to be closed until the time appointed where they would be opened back up again. There were several places, even in scripture, even in Revelation, where it talks about the books being hidden until the appointed time. So there is a place of an appointed time or a Moed moment where there the these these things are then revealed. I believe we are very much in a place of a moed moment right now, an appointed time where Father is tearing back all the veils and this place of what we thought of as being nothingness suddenly is now becoming something that we're being able to see. We're being able to 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 comprehend and to uh see past the facades that have been placed up to see the reality and the depth of who our father is and what he has already given us. Okay. So bear this in mind. Okay. So Ayin speaks about the, the place of nothingness. Now let's, let's go a little bit deep here. All right. Let's go a little bit deep. There was a young man in our church and uh, I, I love this guy greatly because he's got, he's, he's a seer and, and uh, he's a quiet kind of guy, but he's, a, he's definitely a seer. And he, we've engaged on many occasions about some of the things that he's, that, that he was seeing and that, that, that I was seeing. And uh, I've even had, there's even been times where he would come and he would put his hands on my back and pray for me. But what he was really doing was seeing and seeing what the Lord was showing him. And he would draw some things that I was going through or some things that the father was showing me in the spirit, and he would draw them on a piece of paper. And I'm not joking you. I've got I've got paper after paper after paper here of, of where he would he was expressing something that 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 I was actually seeing at that time. And so we got to, we got into this conversation one day about a black holes. I love science. And when we look at a black hole, many times people, what they see from a black hole is a place of nothingness, because a black hole is someplace where, where even light itself cannot escape the gravity of a black hole, scientifically speaking. So what happens is that anything that comes near it is sucked into it, and it disappears. It goes into a place of nothingness. Well, Stephen Hawking's not too terribly long ago began to speak about a theory that the mathematics proved that there was something on the other side of the black hole. And uh, some people call it a white hole. Some people call it something different. But the idea behind it was, and what he was saying was that the black hole was a carrier of information or was a holder of information. In other words, it could store data beyond the expression of, of anything that a hard drive in a computer could ever think about holding. As a matter of fact, if you were to throw a wallet into a black hole, this was his this was his argument. If you throw a wallet into a black hole and it went through the process that that the black hole would use to destroy that wallet, it goes through a process where the gravity becomes so strong that it spaghettifies it. It takes and it strings it out to where it disappears into nothingness. But what made it up? What was on the inside of that? Well, the information that it held remains along the walls of the black hole. And so if that wallet could pass through the singularity at the center over to the other side, 
what would be produced is the exact same replica of that wallet in every detail on the other side of that. That was his theory. <clears throat> similar, but a, a wormhole is a little bit different. Wormhole is a little bit different than a, than a black hole, but very similar, yes. And, uh, and so the, the, the idea behind this was that, that, that black holes were more a part of creation than we expected. So while I was talking to Dalton, I heard him, I heard him say, well, you know, we really have two black holes inside of us. I was like, you know what? And it hit me. I said, you're right. My two eyes. There are two black holes at the center, one in each eye. And any information that comes into my eyes remains on the inside of those eyes. Those things that I see, it becomes a part of who I am. And it begins to change me. And as I begin to see something, out of what appeared to be nothingness comes something, comes an idea, comes an epiphany, and, and it, it has an opportunity to come inside of me where I then can water that idea. I can then do something with that idea. Now, at the same point, there's, there's also a place where the expression of who I am as a son also becomes a part of that. And so what is created from that place will become will come through the conduit, if you if you will, of the facet of the diamond of Yahweh that am I. In other words, the facet of the expression of who the Father is in me will come out through that. And when it when it does, it goes through my hands and my hands begin to actually form it. And so now this this ethereal nothingness idea suddenly comes something all i've all i've done so far is talked about ayin in the second word all it's a simple word just like mindy had just said it's a simple it's two letters aleph and lamed and it really means upon bestow upon and and yet look at where it's taking us so far are you seeing the picture here so far you know so this ayin begins to 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 just to really say this. Well, let me go to Lamed first. Let me go to Lamed first, because Lamed is a letter that speaks about what I learn, what what is what what I what I what I'm able to teach. In other words, to me, Lamed is a place where I'm hidden inside of the heart of the Father, and He begins to show me. So not only does He allow me to see it, He gives me the opportunity to understand it, to be able to. Uh, have uh, knowledge and understanding and wisdom with regards to that. And so this Hebrew word upon to me, the father gave me this statement. He said this, what was hidden is now made manifest and, uh, and am able to learn of the depths and reveal the treasure hidden inside of something. So the Lord, the Lord shows me a, a camera uh, cover and I look past the fact that it's just a simple plastic device. Yeah, it can do a couple of things and it's really cool. But one of the key things that it can do is to be able to cover my my camera so that so that uh, my camera lenses are protected and so on. So it does more than just being a simple piece of plastic. And I can choose to use it to be able to protect something uh, and and keep it so that it's it's good and can work even further. So it begins to reveal a treasure that's hidden deeper inside of us. So listen carefully to what I'm about ready to say, because the father just before class this 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 morning, uh, I was as I was meditating on this, he began to show me something even deeper. And, and this is one of those things where sometimes the father will give me something, and you probably have been through the same thing yourself, where the father will say something to you, and then, and then it's a, an unpacking for a while. Well, this is one of these words where, where I know that there's going to be an unpacking of this one for a while. <clears throat> and listen carefully to what I heard him say. Behind the depth 
inside of our eyes. Now I'm referring to that black hole behind the depth inside of our eyes where faith becomes a hidden path lies the intent of the heart. Let me repeat that one more time. Behind the depth inside of our eyes where faith becomes a hidden path lies the intent of our heart. Why? Because when the Father shows us something, there is only one thing <clears throat> that will, that really allows that to come into existence. And that is the intent of our heart. Now, you can take that statement both ways. I can look at something that is pleasing to my eyes and or pleasing to my flesh, which may not necessarily be something that the Father would want me to do. And as I receive that and, and see that, the intent of my heart engages, and it can engage towards that, where I allow the lusts of the flesh to then be able to, to overcome or overtake, and I, I take that and I change it, and it, be, and it comes into existence. Why? Because the intent of my heart is taken in that direction, or I can reject it, or I can choose to see it from another perspective. What if that same thought comes into my mind? And, and instead of me saying, you know, I don't want to go, number one, I don't want to go down that path. So I know I'm not going to go down that path of, of trying this, but the intent of my heart is not to complete that sin. I don't want to, to move into that sin. Instead of, of rejecting it, though, I ask an additional question. What is it inside of me that, Father, I'm hearing you show me? as something that I am missing, that you now want to show me, could this thought be the opening of a revelation of something where the Father is showing, showing me a connection with him and a depth with him? Does that make sense? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? Because in other words, you could, I could look at it and say, if, it, if the, if the, I, I know I'm getting a little personal here, but if the thought was of in, was intimate in nature, then should I is is the Father saying I'm desiring that an intimacy with you? Maybe not the same intimacy that I was thinking of from the other aspect, but yet the intimacy of the place of I'm missing you. There's a place where I need you, and I, I want to be connected with you. I love you, and I want to show you the expression of my love for you. And, and I want you to be able to show the expression of your love for me and to, to, to be connected with you. I'm not talking about, now, I know that, that most of you probably are gathering from what I'm saying here, that that was sexual in nature. Okay, that's fine. We can go that in any intimate route that you want to, to go through. It doesn't have to be sexual in nature. However, that's probably the most easily understood in the midst of all this. So I'm not talking about the father in the sense of that sexual nature aspect, but I am thinking about it in the perspective of the Father saying, I, I, I want this place where our hearts are becoming one together. And that maybe the revelation of this is a place where he's saying, draw near to me, draw to me, come to me, come to me to this place where, where you and I can spend this time together. Is that making sense? Now, I know this is really, really deep, but it really begins to open up the ideas behind what we're talking about here, because the intent of my heart will bring that thing from the gimel, where it's taken it from the house, where it's taken it from the place that appears to be nothingness, and it brings it into tangible evidence in the earth. This is why I love the, the fact that Apostle Aaron's been teaching this for years. And, and of course, I've, I've, I've taken it a, a, another direction that the Father has shown me with regards to this. But the tangible evidence in the earth is, is part of the key of, of this, because then when it's tangible in the earth, then all who are around can see the expression of the fullness of what the Father is trying to say, because now it's something that can actually be touched. That's why he also said to the disciple, blessed is he who still has not, who, who 
who can't see those things yet still believe in me. You know what he's talking to disciples about that? Blessed are they who don't see me, but yet they still believe in me. You see me. They won't. They won't be able to see me face to face like you're seeing me right now. But blessed are they because they believe in me through your word. They believe in me, what? Through your tangible evidence. So let's go from here and begin to take, and, and so all we've done is we've talked about bestow upon. Let me take that now into the rest of the chapter. Bestow upon your servant that I should live, that I may keep your word. In other words, Father, allow me to see the word that you've already placed inside of me. Why? Because in that word, there is life. And in that, in that word, there is focus. Because without a vision, the people perish. Within that word is the vision of where you are carrying me to. The, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, and you're showing me the path that is lying out before me. Unveil my eyes that I, I may perceive wonders from your Torah. Well, let's go back to bestow upon, right? We're learning about the place of where, Father, I'm, I'm asking, continue to unveil, continue to reveal to me out of this place of what seems to be nothingness. Reveal to me the, depth, the depths and the mystery of your word and of your Torah. Because I, I begin to see the wonders. I begin to see the, the beautiful, tangible evidence that you have already placed in the earth right here before me, right now, that allows me to say, I know that I know that I know who you are. It's funny, because one of the things that we're talking about in our year two class, I'm going to throw in a little blurb here, is the Hebrew word keter. And keter means crown. And one of the things we talked about last night had to do with just that, that place of looking beyond. And that when a, when a crown goes on top of a head, you see the, the, the body is one part of it, but a crown sits on top of the head. So it's an, it's an extension of the body. And what does that crown do? That crown signifies the place of royalty, the place of of having an authority. And, and so in that place, then what the king speaks comes into existence. What the king speaks is completed. All right? I am a sojourner in the world. Hide not your commandments from me. So in other words, it's that, it's that place of me crying out for the Father. Father, I realize that there are things that have been hidden away. I don't want those things to be hidden away. So unveil my eyes and, allow, and, and don't, don't allow these things to be hidden from my sight. In other words, Father, help me to look past those things that I'm seeing at face value. Help me to be able to see these things that are, that are beyond. Because I know these things, these, 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 this loving instruction that you've given me teaches me, and it allows me to be who you've called me to be, and allows me to express who I am in you. My soul is shattered with yearning for your ordinances always. Yes, because my heart is crying out, Father, I want to know you more. I want to know you more and more and more and more. I don't want to stop at just the simple things. I want to go into the depths of who you are in me and who I am in you. I, I, it's not about what I do, Father, and I realize that it's not about what I do, but it is about who I am in you and who you are in me. I want to be those things that you've called me to be. So my soul is shattered with the yearning so that I can understand these ways, so that I can begin to express these ways into the earth. I can express these ways. Why? Because in doing so, I am being like you. Just like my, my, my brother Yeshua, when he was here on the earth, he says, I only do the things that I see the Father do. And he's telling, and I'm, I'm crying out here, I want to do those same things. So hide not these ordinances from me. And I, my heart is shattered with the yearning for your ordinances always. You rebuked the accursed, uh, willful sinners who stray from your commandments. Now, I found something interesting in this. As I was going, uh, as I was going through this, because the 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 part about rebuked, uh, you rebuked the accursed, willful sinners. 
is this uh, this Hebrew word Ga'areta Zadin. Ga'areta Zadin. This is one of the places where the, the we got a gimel, and it's the beginning of a sentence, and it's Ga'areta uh, Zadin. Now the Hebrew word Zadin there is that place of talking about the uh, accused willful sinners. Now, I find it very interesting because this begins with the living letter Zadi. Now, I want to point something out, out to you here. So, a Zadi is a crown, excuse me, not a Zadi, a Zayin. If I said Zadi, I apologize. It's Zayin. All right. So, to me, Zayin is, is, is really interesting in the fact that it's a slightly different letter than the living letter Ayin. But it sounds very similar because it's Zayin, right? And of course, when you look at it from the living letters themselves, Zayin is what we call a crowned Vav. So you've got the sixth letter, which is a which is a Vav, and it talks about that heaven and earth connection. But the seventh letter or Zayin is a is a Vav, but it has a crown that's placed on the top of it. So Listen to what I just said just a few moments ago. So at the time appointed of the father, the father places a crown on our heads. And he says, I have given you an authority. I have given you a place where you are now royalty. And so this Hebrew word zadim here, which is talking about the accused, the accursed willful sinners. It's speaking about the place of one who has already been crowned as a king. One who should know better, but chooses to do something different. So it's very specific. It's not, it's not like it's a, a accidental sinning, because sometimes we we do that. We we won't know that the that, that this is something that we shouldn't be doing. And 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 uh that's a whole nother aspect of, of sin when it comes to the expression of that. But in this case, what it's talking about is the willful sinner, the ones who know right from wrong, but choose to do the to do the wrong thing anyway. So I find that very interesting because Zayin also alludes to the fact that even though I'm crowned with authority and given the ability to be able to do this, I choose to look a different way and do the things that I want to do based on the desires of my own flesh. So I found that very interesting in this. So you rebuke the cursed willful sinners. Yes, he did. Why? Why does the father want to accurse or, or rebuke the accursed willful sinners? Now, many times in scripture, we hear about this place of where the father is destroying the wicked. And yes, that is a part. The father does, will destroy the wicked. But do you think the heart of a true loving God wants to destroy the wicked? There's a story that I talk about, about Moshe, that I don't have a whole lot of time to get into right now because of, of the time we've got set out here. But let me just say it like this, that, that on the other side of the Red Sea, there's a, there's a story in, in the, some of the Hebraic uh, books that speak about how on the other side of the Red Sea that Moshe or Moses heard the father crying. And he asked the father, why are you crying? And he says, I'm crying for my people, Egypt. I didn't want to have to destroy them, but their choices trying to destroy you, my chosen people, had me say, this must stop here. Boom. No more. And because of their willful coming against you, I had to do something about it. But that didn't mean that it didn't hurt the father to do that. Now, to me, that sounds like a loving God. That yes, things have to be punished. But yet at the same time, his heart is not to punish. So the idea behind this is, is first to rebuke. Why do you think Moshe went before Pharaoh? In essence, what, Mo, what, what, what Moshe was doing, or what Moses was doing, was through the word of the Lord, rebuking Pharaoh about the things that, that he had been revealed. Because he had been revealed some depths. 
he had been revealed some things. And 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 Moshe was rebuking him. Now he didn't he didn't do it outrightly, but he did it in such a way through the through the ten plagues that that he essentially what he what the father was doing was rebuking Pharaoh and saying, "Hey, let my people go. Don't run after them. Just leave it alone. Let them go. Let them go and serve me the way that they want to serve me." So anyway, it's it's kind of a deep thought process here, but but I I hope you see this because to me that really sounds like a loving God. He doesn't want to, and he will rebuke us and teach us to the point where our willful absolute disobedience will bring about a judgment. So you rebuked the accursed willful sinner who stray from your commandments. Remove upon me disgrace and contempt, for I have guarded your testimonies. In other words, that, Father, I realize, too, that there have been times where I, too, have willfully sinned. I, too, take this disgrace and contempt away from me. Why? Because I have guarded your testimonies. I see now the witness. See, I love this word testimonies here because in uh, in Hebrew, it's... Uh, Uh, edotecha, edotecha, and uh, I, I love that because basically that word testimonies there speaks about the place of the witnesses. So let's go back to the beginning. What does that mean? It's the tangible evidence of the fact that I have made a willful choice that it brought about a result that I did not want. And it becomes a witness inside of me that says, I know where I don't want to go. Now, Apostle Aaron talks about this in his, in his classes a lot. And, and he used to speak about this for years, about how as he was moving towards something, there would be times that he would take a path. And as he was going down the path, he suddenly realized, mm, wrong path. And so he's able to come back and put a check mark beside that and say, you know what? I know not to go back down this path again because I've already been down it and it doesn't work. That's the place of guarding the testimonies because now he took that and he says, I'm guarding that place where I know not to go down that path anymore because I have the witness inside of me that says, don't go down that path anymore. Now, though princes sat and spoke against me, your servant discusses your statutes. In other words, I don't care what other people say about me. Other other princes that, that speak against me, my heart and my focus is to discuss your word. Indeed, your, toast, your testimonies are my preoccupation. Your witnesses, your, your words that you have spoken over me that, I, that says that I know that this is who you are and you can't take this away from me because I have a witness inside of me that says, Father, you have shown me this path and I know that this is either the right path or the wrong path, but I know it's the path that you have taken me down and you've taught me. You've allowed me to learn this. Remember all? Ayin Lamed, the learning aspect of this. You have taught me and now I'm taking those testimonies and I'm making them my focus, my preoccupation. Those testimonies are my counselors, not the princes from the previous verse, the ones that are speaking against me. You see, I have a choice here in these last two verses. I can listen to the princes who are speaking against me and allow it to tear me down and keep me from going down the path. Or I can look at the witnesses that the Father has already spoken about me, and I can, I can allow those to be my counselors. Does that make sense? Are you seeing the picture of what I'm saying? I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you tear me down. I don't care what you think about me. My father has shown me the witness inside of me that says that I am a son. I am a king. I am an heir. I'm a priest in the kingdom of Almighty Yahweh. This is who I am. That, that will be my preoccupation. That will be my focus. That will be the way that I will see. And the counseling that they give me as I look at what the Father has already done inside of me, they are the ones that are going to solidify my path. You see, what is Gimel doing? Gimel is bringing about confidence. Gimel is bringing about batach, 
the place of confidence. Not just trusting the Father. Yes, that trusting is a part of it. Trust is what leads us to confidence. But I know that I know that I know. I know that you've already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, I don't normally do this. I really don't. And I'm hearing the Lord speak this to I'm hearing the Lord speak this to me, and I've just got to be obedient in it, regardless of what you think about me or not. And I don't normally, I don't normally ask, uh, or I don't normally bring this up. Um, because the Father just just has me doing things specifically. But today's word is important. And I believe that there is a trade that needs to take place in, the, in this word. And if you believe this place of what the Father has already said about you, then I'm going to pop in, in, the, in the chat uh, an opportunity. And those of you that are listening on YouTube, if you want to trade into this word today, please do. Those of you that have been listening to us for a while, you don't hear me bring this up very often. But I do believe that the, the, the word of the Lord is that I need to do this, partly because of me. I would not, I would not normally do that. I just, I just don't. I trust in my Father in all things. But this word today, I believe, is one that we need to trade into. The fact that the Father has made us to be the camel. See, that's the beautiful thing about this. When I talk about Gimel, when I talk about Gimel, it's more than just the fact that the camel is what carries the seed. You are that camel. You are that which carries the treasure of the Lord inside of you. You are the one that takes from those times of the intimacy that you have with the Father. And you move and you bring it to the door. You bring it into tangible evidence in the earth. You are the camel. Stop looking at the camels as something that's coming to you and start looking inside of you and realizing you are the camel. You are the carrier of the word of the Lord. You are the carrier of the treasure of the Lord. Love you guys. Blessings to those of you who are on the video. Blessings to all of you.